Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Thank you. As we continue our series, Rebel's Guide to Joy, we're looking at the book of Philippians and we're calling it Rebel's Guide to Joy because Paul and Philippians paints this picture of joy that can be had by following Christ that is a, it's the kind of joy that isn't determined by circumstances. It's the kind of joy that determines our circumstances as opposed to being determined by it. Today's passage is a really fascinating one. It's one of my favorites in the book of Philippians. It's in the middle of the letter, and, and frankly, I think this short passage could be uh, taken out by almost any coach throughout all of history and put as one of the best halftime motivational talks ever. Paul's writing to the Philippians during a time in which they are losing their sense of joy. They're really discouraged at the difficulty of their circumstances and the difficulty of Paul's circumstances the persecution and the imprisonment and the hardship he's facing. As we've been through the series so far, we've learned several things. We've learned what I said before, that that the kind of joy that God wants us to have is the kind of joy that shapes our circumstances rather than being shaped by them. We talked about the fact that pride is the mother of all misery and humility is the mother of all joy. And in that, we looked at this idea of humility. And if you weren't here that Sunday, you may want to go back and look at this again and listen to it again because humility is not something weak. It's something very strong. And it was demonstrated by Jesus. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We also talked last week about Paul and his understanding of what our salvation is based on, the basis of our joy and our security and relationship with him. Now, Last week's message that Jeremy did such a good job on is a really tough one to teach on. It it, it centers on this truth that salvation is Jesus plus nothing. And that's a truth we need to really understand. We need to really get deep down inside of us. It's a truth for us that Jesus loves us and he saves us without any merit of kind of action on our part. It's simply by putting our faith in him, asking forgiveness, and declaring that we will follow him as the leader of our life. It's the truth in a sense that even now in our sin, we are as loved perfectly by him as we ever will be. And we need to get that truth really down deep in us. And yet that same truth is so easily misapplied and used as a license for sin, as a license to not grow or an excuse to not grow or an excuse to not change. Paul goes right after that frequent misapplication in the very verses that follow that we're looking at today. And this is how Paul says it. And he's actually using himself as an example here. So he's talking about himself in first person, but it applies to all of us. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Paul admits how far short he falls. But, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and anytime somebody says one thing I do, we need to pay attention. This is a really important thing, a central lesson that Paul's trying to teach us to say. He says, one thing that I do, forgetting 
what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press forward in life. I strain forward. There's this intense passion he's communicating here about this focus on moving forward in our life. And I can see Paul in this imaginary locker room at halftime with the Philippians as they're struggling with the fear that they're losing. They feel like they're losing because things aren't going well in their life. Giving them this pep talk. And as he does, I can, I can see their eyes and their, and their faces start to brighten and this joy starts to, to show up in them and as they're reminded of this perfect love and power of their Savior and the confidence that they see in their coach and their, the, the confidence their coach has in this. Is, and they can see this, we can do this kind of energy from the Holy Spirit beginning to take over the room, room. And, and you know, you've been, some of you've been in locker rooms and you see them start getting up and bouncing up and down and chanting and saying, yes, we're going to press on. We're going to win the prize. Not just any prize, but we're going to win the most important prize of all in life. Realizing the very reason God has called me, has called you, has loved me, has called us to accomplish in our lives. The very reason He's created us. So we're going to examine this text just a little bit more quickly by looking at Two questions. What did Paul leave behind? And what is he straining forward to take hold of? Real simple. The first question, what did Paul leave behind? Now, before we get to that, let's start with you and I. How do you get stuck in your past and let your past become a joy killer in your life? Where does your past pessimistically define your hope in the present and the future circumstances you face? How do you allow your past disappointment, your pain, your failure to keep shooting you in the foot and keep you from moving forward? That's really the question we're being asked today. Paul is certainly not instructing you to avoid processing those past negative things, but he is inviting you to learn to leave those sin, that negative experience, that he's learning to leave those things in the past and not let them define you, not let them define your hope or your joy or the possibilities for your present and future in your life. See, being stuck in our past means that we really aren't living in the now, right? And if you can't live in the now, you can't experience joy in the present because our past says to us things like, you're not safe to experience joy in the now. And maybe that message of safety is saying, you're not safe because of the sin and the harm you did in the past and therefore you need to feel bad longer in order to feel like you're taking that sin seriously and like you're taking change seriously. We often think that way, Right? Or you shouldn't experience joy in the moment because the rug might be pulled out from you at any moment, just like it was in your past. We struggle with things like that. So we're left really only being able to escape and find distraction, find these fleeting moments of positive feeling or thrilling or peaceful sensation. But all those moments really are is about numbing the pain. And not really about experiencing real, lasting joy. 
You see, you know you're stuck in your past when sin leaves you in fear that you can never be good enough, that you can never be fully loved, that you can never be the person that you believe God wants you to be. Paul, in his instance, can leave sin behind. Think about it. Even murder that he did in the name of religion. Why? Because there's no performance barrier that needs to be met in order for him to be loved and forgiven. So he doesn't need to feel the the stress and shame of performance and, and when he fails, he doesn't need to feel that pressure to run away from God. Nor does he treat sin flippantly either. But that love that he knows of Jesus plus nothing provides this sure forgiveness. And it allows a joy that comes from that reality to be present in life. And it enables him to move past his sin quickly back into this place of joyfully moving forward in that kind of a motivation. He leaves it in the past. Paul is exhorting us to learn this habit of getting up from sin and failure and quickly turning to God without defensiveness, asking forgiveness, And moving on, leaving it in the past, becoming obedient and taking that next step of obedience once again because we know how deeply we are loved. Now, that sounds simplistic and kind of trite, right? But it's not not, not that at all. Because Paul acknowledges in this very text that that kind of a step for us is all too often difficult He uses what word? He says, it's something we strain to take. We have to put great effort to take that step to press into his love and leave our past behind. What are those things in your life from the past that still impact your future? Are are they words spoken over you by someone where you were told you were ugly or a mistake or a failure or unlovable? Are they... Statements that you'll never be good enough? Are are they statements that you're only good for what you can produce in life for the work you do? Is it sexual sin or financial sin? Or is it anger that continually plagues you? Or is it abuse that you've experienced? But it's not just sin. And it's not just failure that we need to leave behind. You also need to leave behind your success, Paul says. How many times... Have we seen, maybe we saw some of this yesterday with all the upsets, some great sports teams who've had great success and a week or two later they are upset by a clearly inferior team, right? So they don't live in the present moment with this sense of expectation and this urgency that true joy brings. Joy brings the sense of expectation and urgency and energy to our lives. But when you don't leave the past in the past, even your success that goes away. See, last week Jeremy told us that Paul counts his past as uh, on all the successes, all the accomplishments. He counted them as dog dung is actually the word he uses so that he could engage with the Holy Spirit's sense of joy in the moment in which he was living. But leaving success in the past is really hard, isn't it? Because frankly, for a lot of us, What's driving us in life isn't always something coming from a place of peace or a place of joy or, or that place of being loved by Christ. I, I received a couple of weeks ago uh, a story, and um, 
and I got permission to share it anonymously. So I've changed some names. I've changed a few identifying things, but it's basically still in the, in the writer's words. And, and let me share it with you. They said, over the summer, I was offered my dream job in a state with, with great ocean beaches. Have I mentioned I've always wanted to live by the ocean? This job was everything I ever worked for, and the hiring company gave me everything I asked for. Before accepting the offer, I had turned to God for guidance, and I prayed, and I asked other people to pray with me. And at the very beginning of the hiring process, I couldn't feel anything but a great sense of peace. I must have been on the right path, and I was. But little did I know where that path would take me. They go on to say, I talked about the job with my spouse and my children. That that was going to turn their world upside down. But they were nothing but supportive. Prayer didn't bring any specific answers, but somehow that didn't seem to matter that much because the job was so right for me, it had to be the right thing to do. So I handed my resignation in. That same day, my son Will told me he was willing to do anything that would make me happy. How selfless of a 15-year-old especially one who had already moved four times for me to pursue my career. Suddenly, my sense of peace and righteousness was gone. I had gotten so tied up in my own professional desires that my priorities had gotten out of order. I started praying again, but I prayed differently. I fully surrendered my job and my ambitions to God. And when I had started looking for a new job in the first place, it was out of frustration See, before joining my current company, I was considered a high-potential executive. I went from intern to vice president in less than nine years. After growing up feeling insecure and unworthy, I was finally becoming special and confident. When other people were good, I worked harder to be the best. Sometimes I broke the rules, but it didn't matter because it got me the best jobs. When I failed, I worked even harder to deal with the pain and become worthy again. I never served anybody but myself and my own insecurities. And they go on to say, when I moved to Ohio, I became one of many executives in a large company. After seven years and a few different jobs, I still hadn't had a promotion in spite of my hard work. In the eyes of the outside world, my career was stale. I was always told I would have a great career, and I was failing. I blamed it on my boss. I blamed it on internal politics. Until that week, After resigning and fully surrendering my career to God, my eyes finally opened. Since we had moved to Ohio, we had become followers of Christ. Our entire family was blessed with peace and happiness and the kind of joy that only comes from God. My spouse found their calling and has impacted so many lives through working with teens. Will wasn't depressed anymore. Kim was, was full of confidence. My team at work was happy and telling everyone how great they felt going to work in the morning. This is where success was. As long as I was serving my own self at work, there was only fear and frustrations when I was in the office. After surrendering my job to God, I had told him that if I was supposed to stay in Ohio, he would need to put in the heart of the decision makers the desire to create a new role for me. But see, my company never counteroffers. I mean, never. But God answered my prayers on my birthday. Ten days after I resigned, I was offered a new role in the exact position I wanted to do something I'm really passionate about. Not a promotion, but something really good. Good for me and good for my family. So I let go of my dream job with no regrets and no resentments. I have changed the way I work to focus on serving my boss 
my peers, my team members. When I feel secure and angry, I give these feelings to God. My career is no longer than mine. I don't need it to feel loved or special or to provide for my family because all this comes from God. Now I can even give of my finances generously. He is so generous, caring about me. In his eyes, they go on to say, I succeeded. What amazing deep insight that God led this person through. See, understanding God's love helps us leave behind our failure and our sin, and it even helps us leave behind our successes and live in the moment with a sense of joy enveloped by God's presence and His peace and His joy. Our second question from the text, what are you straining forward to take hold of? See, Paul in this kind of halftime pep talk invites us to be like him, and he says it this way. He says, pressing forward that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from rules and from my own performance, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And what he's telling us is we are straining forward into Christ's righteousness for you, into that picture of righteousness God has of you, that, that picture of, of, of you being fully healthy, whole and strong as he originally created you to be. That kind of picture of perfection and beauty and wholeness in you. See, when you follow him, Even though your sin makes you like a filthy rag. A lot of us struggle with that term because we say, well, I live a good enough life. But but did you hear yourself? Even when you say that good enough, it means there's areas where you don't live good. And that sin makes us like a filthy rag in comparison to God's high view of who he is and who he created us to be. And he forgives you And he chooses to look at you, even in your your foibles still, as that picture that he originally intended you to to be, created you to be. And that righteousness is given to you as a gift. But that righteousness is more than a gift. It's also a dream of who God plans for you to become. When you are fully restored to that picture of righteousness, And Paul says, I strain forward, and that straining in me is to resist allowing my sin and my success to define me and instead to constantly allow that picture God has of me, that picture God has of you, to be the thing that that I press forward to, the goal of everything I pursue in life. So each day we press on to allow God to make us more and more like that right good picture he sees when he looks at us and we also rise up and give our all to the second half of the game for a second reason and that paul says is to win as much glory for god as possible through our lives in this lifetime paul says it this way he says i press on for the goal toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus And Paul actually in 1 Corinthians 3 describes what that kind of prize is by using a really helpful metaphor of a building. He says this. He says, By God's grace, 
by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. He's talking about some of the problems and the jealousies that they're they're having of trying to follow different leaders. And and he's taking that jealousy out of the room. But each one should build with care, he says, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus plus nothing is the reason, it is the foundation why we are loved and why we are saved and why we can have joy in the first place. Then he says this, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold and silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. This is the prize that he's talking about. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Why? Because salvation is Jesus plus nothing. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. So Paul's saying there is this joyful passion which he lives by and wants us to live by. To win as much glory for God as possible. To see God's mission of saving, of restoring and healing everyone who will choose to follow Him spread far and wide, as far and wide as we can possibly make it. And even though we are saved without works, we strain forward in this life to make our entire life about serving God's purpose, building a life of lasting value, of lasting, eternal, beautiful meaning. And sometimes building that is easy and joyful. And many times it is difficult and requires us to indeed dig deep within ourselves and strain to take that next step to win, to win as much glory for God as possible. I had lunch with Tony this past week and I get to share some of what he talked about with me uh, with his permission today. Tony is a certified drug and alcohol counselor. He works with the state at a hospital, and this hospital is like the last option for most people to ever get help in this area. And, and he's also one of the helping professionals at the Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center, which is Quest Division, Counseling Division here. Life has been particularly sad and difficult for him lately because of the rapid growth of opiate addictions, heroin, and other things. So much, so much destruction in people's lives is going on. On top of that, his work environment has been really difficult as well. There's been a 60% turnover among his peers and leaving them with a shortage of clinicians only as the demand, and a shortage as the demand gets worse. And on top of that, there have been major changes in management and the whole environment is just really demotivating to work in right now. It was hard for Tony to sit across some table with me at lunch and talk about it without tears coming to the edge of his eyes this last week. And as I listened to Tony process, the pain of the work environment, the suicide of some of his patients. What stood out to me at every turn was Tony kept coming back continually saying, each day I go in and whether I can get all the paperwork done or whether I can even get to every client because of the massive need created by operating with 60% less staff in my area, God keeps asking me to get better and better at just focusing on the one person in front of me at that very moment. 
And he told me story after story of how the Holy Spirit was leading him to do that and how he was able to meet a discouraged psychologist in, in the hallway and, and really encourage them and, 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 and meet with his fellow clinicians and, and lift them up and say, you're doing good work, keep it up. Or, or just even stopping in the hallway when an orderly staff or a nurse walks by and just saying, good job. And, and talking about how so many of those encouraging conversations allowed conversations of faith to also emerge in that moment. See, he recognizes the Holy Spirit working in each one of those moments. And he he said this, he said, the better I recognize that, the better I do that one-on-one thing and just expect him to show up, regardless of whether I get all my work done that day, the more peace and the more joy I have and I experience. See, when I listen to Tony, I think it would be much easier to move on, to find something less heavy, something that makes more money, something with less hassles. But the question for each of us is, where does God have you? What does winning look like where God has placed you to win as much glory for God as possible by powerfully being as agents of love and grace to whoever you meet, wherever you meet, all throughout the day? See, winning in life is rewarding, if not also fun. And God wants us to win glory for him and for his team. And Paul's inviting us to find that inspired, joyful, confident, second-half kind of a motivation to go out and win on the biggest stage of life for the biggest game in all of life, the cause of Christ. Where is your focus in life? Where are you pressing forward into in life? So the invitation today is really simple. What do you need to leave behind? Do you need to leave behind sin that keeps coming into your life and choose to no longer allow that to define you and choose to take those next steps forward in obedience? Do you need to leave pain from the past in the past? Stop allowing it to come into your present and define your hope and your joy today. Do you need to seek counseling to help do that? To leave that in the past? we got great counselors that thrive. And there's no reason to not get the help if you need it. There's scholarships available. So there's no financial barrier that should be in your way to leaving those pain things in the past. What do you need to leave behind? Do you need to leave your success behind? Do you need to allow God to have full control of your career? and of your finances. And the second question, invitation today, what are you pressing forward to become as a person? And what are you pressing forward to bring as much glory to God as possible by serving others this week? Do you need to press forward in stronger spiritual habits of prayer and knowing the Bible so that you can actually confidently, more confidently walk through the day knowing you're obeying God, knowing you're doing what He wants, knowing you're walking in His will? Do you need to, do you need to press forward in those spiritual habits? Or do you need to press in, into different ways of viewing your work to start taking on that servant mindset that was so well illustrated in this email to me instead of it being all about you and your success? Or do you need to press forward in more greater volunteer involvement, serving God's mission through the church or in the community? God's inviting us to take those steps. And we're going to talk more in just a moment, but let me just pray for a moment. Lord, we ask that you would come to each one of us and you'd speak to us. 
Well, this is not just an abstract thing because our past comes up for each and every one of us and tanks our hope in the future and makes us pessimistic in our expectations and robs us of joy. Lord, would you teach us to leave the past in the past? And would you teach us the joy of following you, of pressing forward, even when it's hard and it doesn't feel easy? Lord, would you help us to strain and for the prize that you're calling us to, that righteousness that you want to make us into, and that great enduring purpose that you want us to express? Would you give us success in that? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.